Today, by the grace of God, I want to talk to us about overcoming adversity. Overcoming adversity. As usual with me, I like to start by trying to divine terms. And the word that comes straight to us in that, script, in that uh, title is the word adversity. What does adversity mean? Adversity can be described as a condition of suffering, destitution, or affliction. A condition of suffering, destitution, or affliction. Now it comes from the word adverse, which means which is contrary or against what you expect, against the direction opposed to your interest. So adversity is not never in your interest. It's something that is contrary to your expectation. You know, you expect to go this way, something happens, take you to the other, other parts. That is the likeness of adversity. An example can be seen, for example, somebody goes to the doctor and there's a diagnosis that comes and says, ha, ah, we just discovered that you have a terminal disease. And it's going to be uh, some few months' time. You may have to call it a day. Go and plan your family. That's an adversity. You don't expect it. You just go for a normal routine check and say, let's know what's happening. And they say something is, they've discovered something. A woman that is pregnant may go to the clinic to check her body. And they give her a bad report. And because of that bad report, you know, she begins begin to feel very, very bad about the situation that she's handled. That's adversity. It could even be that she, she lost the pregnancy. You know, she expected to carry that pregnancy to full time. But during the course of that pregnancy, something happened and she lost the baby. That's adversity. Something that is on the job for a long time. Working, you know, enjoying the career. But suddenly you lost your job. That's adversity. You know, you are in marriage. And marriage seems to be going on very fine. But suddenly your spouse come around and say, I need a divorce. That's adversity. You didn't plan for it. You are not expecting it. It just happened. A loved one, very close person, just passed away. That's adversity. So you can just look at adversity in many forms like that. Praise the Lord. And there are some things I want us to note about adversity. You can note this one down. Adversity does not come to an individual based on age. Age is not a factor. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter whether you are old or you are young. You can face adversity. A young person, a young child living in a home that is abused, physically or sexually, is facing adversity. That home that was supposed to provide comfort, love, and direction for him or her is, has become a place where she does not want to go or he doesn't want to go because of the condition in that home. That is adversity. An old man who wants to enjoy his retirement, you know, enjoy the love of her kids, and suddenly one of the kids turns against him. And they are always fighting with each other. You know, he's always thinking about the stress 
the child is giving him or her. There's adversity. You know, if you look at the life of David, David as a king, his own son, Absalom, rose against him, turned people against him. So adversity he was facing. I was listening to the news recently, and they said somewhere in Okotos, they saw a dead body of a man, an elderly man, in the construction site. And eventually they discovered that who killed him? The son killed him. And the policeman was saying that there have been several cases of conflict between child and parents. But this was to an extreme. And you could imagine before, before it could get to that state of killing his father, then the father must have gone through a lot of adversity, thinking about his child. So age is not a restriction. It's not a limitation to somebody facing adversity. Some can face it in their younger years. Some can face it in their later years. Praise the Lord. Adversity does not, clear, does not care what race you belong to. You can be African. You can be Caucasian. You can be Haitian. You can be Hispanic. You can be any race. It does not matter. As adversity can come to anybody. As long as you are human. As long as you are breathing. You can face adversity. It doesn't even care whether you are a Christian. Or you are not a Christian. But the Lord Jesus Christ told us. That in this world, we what? We face what? Tribulations. Praise the Lord. So, Christianity does not immune you from adversity. But he assured us. Say, but be of good cheer. For what? I have overcome the world. Abraham, we call him the father of faith. He faced adversity many times in his lifetime. Crisis. But God saw him through. And I believe in God that whoever is there today that's facing one form of adversity or the other, God will see you through. In the name of Jesus Christ. So it's not about the race you belong to. Everyone faces adversity one way or the other. And that's thing I want us to note as well concerning adversity. It's not what you plan for. How many of us are planning for adversity? You don't plan for it. It just happened. It just happened. Praise the Lord. And how you react to it when it happens depends on how what you have built over time in your life. Praise the Lord. And one thing I want you to know is that when you face adversity, it does not mean you are doing something wrong. When you, are, when you encounter adversity in life, it does not necessarily mean that you are doing something wrong. It could actually mean that you are doing something right. As well. That means that when you face adversity, it is not a time to say, I'm going backward. It is actually could be a time for you to move forward. If you face challenges in your marriage, for example, it does not necessarily mean that it's time to back out of that marriage. It does not mean that. It could mean it's a time to walk on your marriage. Praise the Lord. 
Having said that, let us look at Proverbs 24, verse 10. Proverbs 24, verse 10. Proverbs 24, verse 10. The Bible says in that scripture, If thou faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And I like the way the message has been put it. Please, can you help me put it on the screen? The message translation. It says, if you fall in pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the fourth place. If you fall into pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. So it's not about what has happened. It's about what you have, you have made up before. What you have made up before. Because people tend to focus on the incident that has happened. Why not being conscious of what has always been there? Adversity itself is not a failure. How you react to it can either make you to fail or what? Or succeed. Adversity in itself is not a failure. But your reaction to it, how you respond to it, can actually make you either fail or succeed. Adversity can actually be a prompt for you to excel. Praise the Lord. And that's why the scripture says in the book of James, James 1, 2 to 4. James 1, 2 to 4. The scripture says, My brethren, can't it what? All joy. Can't it all joy when you fall into various trials? Knowing this, that's scripture, knowing this, that the train of your faith work at what? Patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and wanting nothing. Can't eat all joy. That is deep. When you face adversity, the Lord is saying, Rejoice about it. Rejoice about it. Because what you are going through may actually be what will prepare you to where God is taking you to. Because if you focus only on what is happening to you, you may not be able to get to where God is taking you to. Praise the Lord. Adversity in itself is not a destination. It could be a path to a destination. And where it leads to depends on you. Where it leads to depends on you. Because sometimes when you face adversity, we close our thoughts, we close our eyes, we just not lose focus. And because we lose focus, the opportunities that lies in around us, we don't, we don't even see it. We don't see it. We are so engrossed in that state of mind that we don't see opportunities. 
Remember the story of Haggai. When Abraham sent her half of the house with her child, she was facing what? Adversity. This is a man that she had a child for. Supposed to be his first child. She would have thought in her heart that, wow, she has found a home. She was no longer a servant in that home. She has a right in that home. But Abraham said, no, you have to leave. Because my wife said, you need to leave with your child. She was facing adversity. But in the midst of that adversity, God had prepared something for her. But all she was thinking was what, that the child was going to die. So the well of water that God has prepared for her, she did not even see it. Until God opened her eyes. And I pray for somebody here, the Lord will open your eyes to see what you needed to see. Praise the Lord. So when you are going through challenges, it's a way of God taking you to where God wants you to be. In the scripture we read in Matthew 16, Matthew 16, 21 to 23. In that scripture, scripture, the Bible made us to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ was telling his apostles about what will happen to him. It was not something, no, palatable. Not something good. That he was going to be killed. So from that time forth, began Jesus to show it to his, unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem. Not that he may. He must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes. He knew what he was going to go through. But he was ready for it. To go through it. And be killed. And be raised again the third day. Then Peter. Then Peter took him. And began to rebook him. Saying, be it far from thee. Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Because he does not have the understanding that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ had. He does not understand that thing that that's going to say, can't eat all joy. When you go through trials, say, I cannot happen to you. I rebook it. But the Lord said, but he turned to him and said unto Peter, get thee behind what? Satan. Imagine. Somebody is trying to say, no, I don't wish you bad. But the response of the Lord was, no. You are not talking, you are not reacting in the right way. You are not reacting based on the will of God for me. The will of God for me was that I must go through this experience. So far, brethren, so far you are faithful to God. So far you are doing the will of God. Whatever comes your way will only prepare you to where God wants to be. So far, you are right with God. Praise the Lord. So Peter, you don't have an understanding of what is happening. This is something I must go through. He didn't say, I may, I may go to Jerusalem. I, will, I must go to Jerusalem. I must go to Jerusalem. And they must do this for me. Because that is what 
God wants me to go through. That is in line with the will of God for me. And that's what the Bible says in the book of Romans 8.28. And we know, Romans 8.28, and we know all that all things work what? Together for good. To them that what? That love God. To them that are called according to his purpose. Praise the Lord. I will overcome. Say to yourself, I will overcome. I will overcome. Praise the Lord. So let's go back to that scripture. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. This scripture tells me something about our strength. The strength you need in the day that challenge comes is not the strength you get on that day. What you need to respond to that adversity is not what you get on that day. It is what is in you. The scripture says Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you don't have anything in you, that adversity may break you down. So that's your strength is more. If you faint, and according to message, if you fall into pieces in the day of crisis, that means you have nothing in you in the first place. That means that you have to continually build yourself, prepare yourself, engage yourself, so that when that time comes, you can have what it takes to respond. Many people are dying of depression today because they don't know, they don't have what it takes to respond. A month of the crisis, but weeks of the crisis, they are gone. And some people, because they are looking for a way around it, they go into what? Drugs. You think drugs can help them to get out of that adversity. You may be excited for a while. When the drug clear, what happens? The reality comes back to you. That's why many people die of depression today. But when you have Christ in you, is the hope of what? Of glory. People will look at you. How do you cope? With all this happening around you, how do you cope? It's not, it's not me. It's Christ that is in me. When you have Christ in you, no matter what the challenges may be, he will see you through it. Praise the Lord. You see, that you cannot solve a problem today does not mean that there's no solution to that problem. Do you understand me? That you cannot solve a problem, it does not mean that there's no solution or that, that that problem is bigger than you. For example, if you are doing mathematics and they gave you a particular uh, problem to solve, if you try everything possible to solve it, and you cannot solve it, does it mean that it's not solvable? No. Just that you don't know what it takes what to solve it. Somebody was sharing an experience that they, they gave him a math problem. And when you could not solve it, he went back to the church and said, this question is wrong. 
The question is, tell the question very well. Say, no, the question is not wrong. You are the one that he wants. You are limited. And he gives another student, another student, sorry for him. Say, ah. But we need to understand that we cannot solve a problem, that we cannot respond well, does not mean that that problem is bigger than us. That's what I'm going to. Does, just, just does mean that you have made ourselves smaller than the problem. If you remember the story of the children of Israel, when they got to, got to high, Joshua told them, go and spy the land, go and look at the land, and see what do we need to take over the land. And they came back with a report, oh, it's a very small town. You don't need many people to do that, to go with them. And he sent a few soldiers there, but they came back, what? Defeated. It does not mean that the people of high were stronger than them, but because something was wrong with them. Something was wrong with them. They did something that made God to leave them. Praise the Lord. So it's very important for us to have that understanding. And if you remember Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, when the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil, he could have failed. But he had something in him. He had responses to every temptation that the enemy put across his way. And he was able to overcome that challenge. But I want us to look at a particular example this morning as we round up this teaching. Of somebody that went through adversity. Somebody that was really challenged. And how he responded to it. And that can be seen in the book of 1 Samuel 30. We started looking at this last week. 1 Samuel 30. And we saw in this story the experience of King David. He was really going through adversity. But he overcame. And I'm praying for somebody here, you will overcome. In the name of Jesus. Are you going with me? 1 Samuel 30. I'll read the scripture from here. See, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. When David and his men were come to Siglag, on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Siglag, and smitten Siglag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were daring they, show, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city. And behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinon, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelites. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abitah, depressed, I'm Amalek's son. I pray thee, bring me either the effort. And Abiata brought thither the effort to David. 
And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to Brook Bethel, where those that were left behind stayed. For David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred above behind, which were so faint that they could not go after the book vessel. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread. And he did it, and they made him drink water, and they gave him a piece of cake of fish, and two crosses of raisins. And, while he, and when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water, three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and where art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my servant left me because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherylites, and upon the coast which belonged to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb. And we burned Sigla with fire. And David said unto him, to him, Can thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt not kill me, nor deliver me to the hands of my master, and I bring thee down to the company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the hearts, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the Neze. And they escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered how many? All that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them. Hmm. Neither small nor great. Neither sons nor daughters. Neither spoil. Nor anything that they are taking to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds, Which they drove before those other cattle. And said, this is David's spoil. Praise the Lord. I just want also discuss this and analyze this scripture a bit. Thank you. Now when you face adversity in life, just like David faced in this scripture we read, as I said before, the way and manner we react to it determines the outcome. Whether that thing will bring us down or to lift us up. Adversity itself is not a failure. It's our attitude and how we respond to it that make us to other fail or succeed. Praise the Lord. Number one point we, want to, we need to note about that scripture is that David made the decision to go to war in the first instance. The war they were in when they left their family behind. If he had not been at war, would they have taken their family, his family away? No. He made the decision. Sometimes the decision we take today can lead to adversity. The action we, do, we take today can lead to crisis. But that does not mean the end has come. 
That is not the time to say, where did I make this decision? Praise the Lord. People say in the secular world that when you fail to take risk, it's bad. It's even bad. Risk is all part of, of our way of life. You may have made a decision in the past, and when you reflect on it today, you are going through some challenges and say, if I have not made that decision, maybe I will not go through this challenge. Please, I want to overcome that stage. Because you already need, you need to get out of it. So David could have been blamed. And they blamed him. The people around him blamed him. They wanted to do what? To stone him. So you caused this to happen to us. You took us to war. We left our family behind. But not knowing that, you know, when they were coming from war, they, were, they, they, they too were coming with spoils. They were rejoicing. But when they got home, they realized that their family had been taken away. Everything turned around. And that's why sometimes it's very important. That's my second point here. When you are facing adversity, the people you have around you matters. The reaction of the people around you matters. And for couples here, when your spouse is going through challenge, that is not when you're supposed to be. That is not when you're supposed to be. When you're, that is not when you are supposed to be laying blames on him or saying, "I told you before." I was telling you, you shouldn't have done that. Now we have done that now. See what is happening now. That is not the time. That is not the time. That is the time that that person needs your support the most. When you have crisis as a family, you have to hold each other together. So how do we get out of this? That is not the time to be putting blames on somebody. Say, you are the one that caused this thing. But blames will not solve the problem. It's coming together and addressing the issues that will solve the problem. Praise the Lord. We need to learn that from the scripture. All people around David, they were negative about the event that has happened. They were blaming him. No, if, if, if instead of encouraging somebody, all you could do is to blame him, you are bringing him down the more. You are bringing her down the more. Because at that time, all he needs is somebody to just say, don't worry, you can do it. We can rise again. Not telling him or her, well, I warned you, you are in it now. So what do we do? It's better you just keep quiet. Praise the Lord. But it happens in homes. It happens. Many people could have risen from their challenges if they had the right support from their partner. Just the right support, right statement, right word at the right time.
But that's not the same way. It's your cross, carry it. You ask for it. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why the state of that home at that time is very important. Remember we said, if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is what? It's small. If the family is fractured before, if the devil has already created an environment where the, the family, the, 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 the couple don't trust each other again, or they don't relate very well again, and that thing not happened at that time, so what? But if they have, been, they, have, they have been together for a long time, they are always doing things together, there's love among them, then when this crisis happens, they will stand together and face it together. So if the, the, the family relationship has been strengthened from the beginning, that crisis will not put them down. So it's very important how we manage our homes. Don't give the devil a chance when things are good. Don't give the devil a chance. Because when things, when things turn around, by any chance, the devil capitalize on the situation in your home. But when there's unity before, you will shut him out. And that will be your testimony. The devil will not have a place in your home. In the name of Jesus Christ. Number three point. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He looked inward. If you don't have anything inside, that's what you can look into. He has something to rely on. He looked inward. The strength came from what he has. The knowledge he has of God. Of what God can do. Where others were crying, distressed, taking on stoning him, he was strengthening himself. In the day of adversity, he refused to fail. He refused to faint. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Because he has a relationship with the Lord. That's why he can strengthen himself in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Number four points. There are battles you fight with men. And there are battles you need God to fight for you. There are battles you fight with men, but there are some battles that you need what? God to fight for you. David was coming from a battle. He went to that battle with what? With some men. They came back victorious. He could have just said, immediately that didn't happen, and go back and say, ah, men, it has happened again. Let's go. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. What did he do? He went to the Lord. He went to the Lord. And the Lord helped him. Didn't just say, I have men here. Let's go, let's go after them. No. He went to the Lord. There's some things that you can fight with your network of influence. 
There are some challenges that come your way that you can rely on friends around you to help you. They have helped you in the past. But there are some challenges that you need to call upon God for help. Because those around you may be beyond them. So you need to know how to select your battle. battle. Praise the Lord. So if you don't have God to call upon, then your strength is small. He was able to call upon God because he has a relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Because, you know, if you look at it, the, the story of Rachel, the wife of uh, Isaac, oh, Jacob, sorry. Rachel was loved so much by the husband. He was the one, she was the one that he wanted to marry the first sister. Before the, the father you know, gave him the other, the, the other sister. But for a long time, she had no child for him. And it came the time, he, he heard him and said, Give me a child unless or what? I die. Give me a child unless I die. And the man responded, Am I God? Yes, I love you. I will love to do that for you, but I can't do it for you. I'm not God. Some people are close to you. They would have loved to help you in some situation, but they cannot help you. No matter how they try. But when you have God, with God, how many things are possible? Are possible? All things are possible. So when you call upon God, He will answer you. And that's what David did. And that's why it is important. That's the thing my life next point. You must have access to God. Don't ever allow your access to God to be closed. Because it is one thing for you to know somebody. It is another thing for you to have access to that person. You may know somebody, but you may not have access to him. I may know the prime minister of the land, but I may not have access to him. Even the GEO of this ministry, many of us may know him, we know him, but you may not have access to him for one reason or the other. And that's the same thing with God. Many know him, but for one reason or the other, we don't have access to him. We have no break, broken that access. If you remember the book of First Samuel 17, First Samuel 17, Saul was at war. King Saul was at war. He knew God. God had helped him to win many battles before. But at that time, his relationship with God was zero. That was why Goliath became so much to, for him. He couldn't call upon God. But David came. David knew God and he had access to God. And he faced Goliath. So when you are going through adversity, that is the time that you, you, you don't, don't want a situation whereby you don't have access to God. Because with God on your side, you will come through. Praise the Lord. And I believe God for somebody here, you will come through. In the name of Jesus Christ. 
and just round up. If you look at the book of uh, Jonah, you saw another example of the importance of having access to God. Jonah entered that boat. He wants to go to Tashish. And they, they had crisis in the boat. And everybody was doing everything possible to get the boat steady. They called upon their gods. Nothing happened. There was a storm all over the place. The next thing they were doing is that they were you know, throwing away the property on the, on the boat. Until they woke up the sleeper. Joe, say, we are struggling here, you are sleeping. Can you call upon your own God? Maybe you could save us. That was where, when their problem ceased. Peter was sinking when he stepped on that water. That would say that he actually walked. The Lord said, you should come. He actually walked on water. But when he looked around, he saw what? The storms. And he began to sing. He didn't call on his friends in the boat. He didn't say, John, come and save me. Who did he call upon? Jesus. How many of us want to call upon the Lord Almighty today? Let's trust him on our feet. I don't know what you are.